1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell for your Thursday morning. It is Thursday, the 19th of January, 2023. Daniel Pedro in the chair, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SEN Q693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. You can text 457 736 736 if you want to get in contact. All before Gillian King, Michael Carianos for breakfast in an hour's time. Our Queensland listeners will take the first hour of that. And then it will be Padden Hills from 6am local time. Lots to get through today. Uh, lots of tennis and rugby league news floating around. Also going to have our regular Thursday chat with Andrew Menzel, Menas from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. He will join me in about half an hour. A lot to get through in the world of cricket. And we'll talk to menes about that shortly. Uh, but yeah, one, three. 300 one or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. if you want to get in contact. Uh, let us get into some of the issues of the day and let us start with the tennis. Um, and let's go back to yesterday afternoon, firstly. Uh, did you watch Rafa yesterday in his match on Rod Laver Arena against Mackenzie McDonald? Uh, lost 6-4, 6-4, 7-5 uh, in two and a half hours, but it was more the way he lost. Now, firstly, got to give all due credit to Mackenzie McDonald, who took the first set brilliantly, 6-4, and was up a break in the second set when Rafa pulled up a bit lame, went off uh, the court for an injury timeout, and when he returned, whilst we hoped that maybe it was just something minor or the painkillers um, would have helped him out, he just didn't quite Looked like he was all there, uh, physically and mentally. At the change of ends, you could see him pondering his wife at one point in time in the stands. uh, The vision on Channel 9 uh, showed her crying at one point in time. It was a very hard watch uh, to watch. A champion of the sport, of course, won the Australian Open just 12 months ago in that epic final against Daniel Medvedev. Um, Unfortunately, out in straight sets and out in the second round of the Australian Open. And it's the first time since 2000 that the Australian Open men's singles draw will be without Rafa and the now retired Roger Federer in the third round. Um, All due credit, as I said to Mackenzie McDonald, he still had to get over the line and Rafa was playing some interesting tennis in that third set. Uh, But yeah, just hard to see. And I suppose the question now turns to, is that the last time we will see Rafa on Rod Laver Arena playing the Australian Open. There was a bit of speculation, a bit of talk about it leading up to this year's Australian Open. Um, And you'd have to think with the amount of injuries he's had and now this new injury, uh, albeit we don't know how severe it is at the moment, and his age, of course, you just have to wonder how much longer he will hang in there. And it has to be said as well, even coming into this tournament, even his round one match, Uh, which he did win in the end, and even the early stages of of his match yesterday against Mackenzie McDonald, he just didn't look like the Rafa of old, did he? Um, Still competing, still fighting till the end. Probably, if he had stayed fit, probably would have found a way to win that match. But I said on Tuesday, I didn't know how deep into the tournament Rafa would go, Uh, but it's very sad to see him leave uh, in the second round in that manner. It got me thinking. Now, we're not saying he is retiring. Um, hopefully he doesn't, and hopefully he comes back and uh, plays again and goes out on a bit better circumstances. And, look, you never know. We saw Andy Murray just a few years ago. Uh, we thought he was gone, and then he came back, and he did what he did on Tuesday. So, look, um, there's still a time, and there's a chance for Rafa to be back. But let's just speculate that he might be retiring. What's the saddest retirement that you've seen? 0457 736 736 or the person you're most sad to see retire in any sport, individual sport, team sport, one 1170 Who's the player you loved, rugby league, tennis, cricket, who you were really just sad to see retire? 0457-736-736 or one 1170 I remember uh, back in two thousand and four when Brad Fittler retired from the Roosters, and I remember his last club game. Of course, went on to play. Uh, the finals, and lost that grand final against the Bulldogs. But his last club game, from memory, was against Parramatta. And anyone that was there will remember it was hailing uh, very, very cold while he was doing a lap of honour. But no one left the ground, uh, probably for the half an hour after the game, uh, whilst he did his lap of honour. So that was sad to see him retire. But what to say you? What was Who's the player, sports sportsperson, uh, you were the most sad to see retire? 0457 or one 300 one And do you see Rafa retiring or do you see Rafa coming back and giving it one more shot? Uh, so he lost yesterday. Um, it was a bit of a disjointed day again in the tennis, not because of the heat this time, but because of the rain in Melbourne. Playing the outside courts didn't start until around about 5 p.m. And just through some of the key results yesterday, Igor Schwantek much earlier on in the day, world number one seed uh, easily through 6-2-6-3. Um, as I mentioned, Rafa lost Coco Goff uh, last night against uh of course, former winner of uh, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. Coco Goff 6-7, 7-6. So, of course, the U.S. Open, not Wimbledon. So uh, Coco Goff through Kanu been struggling recently with injury pulled out of that Auckland uh, tournament a few weeks ago. Uh, Steph uh, sits a pass over. Ricky Hajikata. Now, uh, straight set. 6-3, 6-love, 6-2. Wasn't a particularly good day for the Australians, uh, actually. Madison Keys uh, went through from America. 6-3, 6-2 in straight sets. John Millman was in action last night. He lost as well in straight sets to Medvedev. 7-5, 6-2, 6-2. Uh, Danielle Collins, once again. Last year's finalist against Ash Barty was pushed to the limit. In fact, In the last set, it went to a super tiebreaker, um, and she didn't realize that it was first to 10. She thought she'd already won the match. Um, and celebrated. She hadn't. She ended up going on to win it, though. She lost the first set 6-7, won the second set 6-2, and won in the super tiebreaker 10-6. So, well done to Danielle Collins. Uh, Sinner straight through in straight sets as well. Jason Kubler from Australia took a set off Kachanov, but in the end, Kachanov too good, winning that 6-4, 5-7, 6-4, 6-2. Kokonakis, though, went back on court uh, to complete what? He had started on Tuesday night, in the end, uh, beating uh, Fahini uh, 6-1, 6-2, 6-2. Olivia Gudecki unfortunately, couldn't repeat her great round one performance, uh, losing in straight sets as well, 6-2, 6-1. So in terms of what we're looking forward to today, there's a stack of action at the Australian Open, and they are making up um, time from what happened yesterday. Some more matches uh, coming up than uh, originally scheduled. Novak Djokovic will be back in action uh, tonight. He'll be the first match uh, on the night session at Rod Laver uh, Arena. Uh, Alexander Zverev will be in action as well this afternoon on Margaret Court Arena. He's the third uh, one up. Andy Murray up against Nasi Kokonakis. Now this will be a great match to watch. Uh, Unfortunately for people like us who are up quite early, it might be Tricky to watch, but we'll try. He'll be the second one up on uh, Margaret Court Arena in the night session from 7 p.m. tonight. So probably not until about 8.39 o'clock, unfortunately, but we'll see. Uh, Popper and won, of course, in uh, five sets the other night. He's up as well uh, around about 3 o'clock on John Kane Arena uh, against Taylor Fritz from America. So that should be a good match. And Alex Demon, all back in action as well. He is on John Kane Arena from 7 p.m. Tonight, so there's just some of the stuff we've got to look forward to on Jabor as well. Uh, the number two seed in the women's side, she will be on Rod Laver Arena. Uh, she'll be the second match on Rod Laver Arena after Novak Djokovic. Caroline Garcia as well in action. Um, uh, the third matchup at Rod Laver Arena in the afternoon session. So plenty to watch if you are involved and looking forward to the tennis. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Or you can call the open line 1300 one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The players you are most sad to see retire. Who were you very sad to see? Uh, pull it, pull the pin. Call it a day. After their career, and do you see Rafa coming back and playing one more tournament? Oh four five seven in Australia. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. It's coming up to ten past five in New South Wales. Ten past four in Queensland. Uh, now on to rugby league, um, and we're now exactly six weeks away from the beginning of the competition. Hopefully, unless they go on strike. Uh, Wade Graham. Uh, You would have probably heard him on The Breakfast Show with Julian King and Michael Kariannis yesterday. Now, I like Wade Graham, fantastic player, speaks very, very well. Um, But he was on, basically, it was a few Sharks questions asked uh, at the end of the interview, but he was on as a spokesperson, I suppose, of the RLPA uh, to try and clear up some of the issues that – at the forefront of this dispute between the NRL and the RLPA. Now, he mentioned a transfer window. I'll get to the latest on that in a second. But other than that, I have to say, I thought the interview was pretty wishy-washy. I don't know if you heard it. If you missed it, it'll be on uh, the podcast. Just search for Vossi and Brandy uh, podcast. But, yeah, he just seemed a bit wishy-washy. He didn't really come to the table with apart from the transfer window with what some of the other issues were and to be honest I don't think he put the players uh in a good light and I know the feedback after that interview is most of the people on the text line are saying that they get paid enough now it has to be said a lot of these top line players aren't doing it just for themselves they're doing it for the younger players as well which is good but I just sometimes and I think the general public, because I think we're a bit like it as well, we don't quite understand what they're complaining about because they haven't spelt it out properly. Um, what's your take on all of it? Uh, whether you heard Wade Graham on breakfast yesterday or not, what do you make of it all? Are you on the player side or are you on the NRL side? And we really just want to get this sorted, don't we? We're, as I said, six weeks away from the start of the competition. We're only a couple of weeks away from pre-season trial matches starting. Um, just need to get it sorted, don't we? 0457 736, 736 or 1300 one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. As I said, Wade Graham did mention the, uh, po- uh, the the trade window in his interview with Julian and Michael yesterday. Uh, NOL, NRL power brokers have reportedly eased their push for a postseason trade window, instead proposing to the RLPA plans to be able to sign with rivals for the following year from June thirty. So the introduction of a transfer window has been one of the sticking points in the heated ongoing dispute regarding the collective bargaining agreement. As it stands, players are able to sign with rivals uh, for the 2025 season from November 1 this year, affording them 15 months to put pen to paper on a contract. The NRL reportedly put forward that players could negotiate with rivals after the 2024 grand final, leaving only four months. Uh, for deals to be finalised. Players reportedly bristled at the proposal, which according to the RLPA, cut players' careers at risk, put players' careers at risk, sorry, should they suffer an injury during the season. Now NRL bosses have put forward a new date, with players able to sign new deals with rival clubs from July 2024 for the 2025 season. Reports also suggest a mid-season transfer window between round 10 and the end of the State of Origin show is also being negotiated as part of the new CBA. Uh, RLP me- RLPA members, as we know, have been vocal regarding the ongoing CBA negotiations. So this is an interesting one, um, and it's something that is a bugbear of a lot of NRL fans, is that, as I mentioned, at the end of last year, and we've seen it, in previous situations, Army Kiko is one that stands out. Signed with the Bulldogs at the end of 2021 to play for them this year. Hasn't played for the Bulldogs yet, but we know he's leaving. Look, Stephen Crichton is another one. We don't know for sure where he's going. We can speculate. Um, he's going to play a whole season with his team. Now, I don't know if that bothers you as much as it bothers some people. I know it does divide people, but the players want that long, um, to decide – well, not to decide the future, but to have a guarantee in their future. Now, would you prefer this June 30 situation where, as I say, players would be able to negotiate from July 2024 for the 2025 season? The problem I think I have with that is if you remember back – and it it probably would be slightly different, but if you remember back when we had uh, the June 30 deadline, before we had this current trade window – where players can sign for 18 months. That was a complete uh, 18 months ahead. That was a complete and utter mess as well. I um, mean it was a bigger distraction I think as to what it is now. I don't know what the perfect solution is. You may have one 0457 736, 736, or on the open line 1300 01 70. Do you mind the way that we do things at the moment where players can sign for a club up to basically 18 months ahead of playing with them? Or would you prefer it to be a shorter trade window? The NRL definitely, well, the RLPA definitely don't want it to be the four-month trade window. So, would you be okay with the June 30 trade window from 20 from the July of the previous year into the next year? Oh, four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. It's an interesting one for me. I don't think there's ever going to be a perfect solution. But what's the best solution? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170 And just before a break as well, uh, we're all excited for the start of the proper season, uh, the season proper. Interested to know how excited and how invested you're going to be in the NRL pre-season challenge. Now, the winner of the pre-season challenge um, is eyeing off a $100,000 prize. Um, however, it could be decided by a toss of a coin. So on the back page of the Daily Telegraph today, a story written by Brent Reid, uh, saying they've obtained details of next month's uh, pre-season challenge, which was sent to clubs yesterday. So we know uh, the anticipated trial matches at the Seabolds. We first look at him coaching the Manly Seagulls, Brad Smith at the Roosters as well, amongst a lot of others. And uh, it's in a move to excite uh, audiences. The NRL has placed an emphasis on attacking play. So teams will be rewarded for taking risks with bonus points available for innovative football around scoring tries, line breaks, and offloads. So the competition, as we know, will involve all 17 NRL teams plus Super League champions St. Helens who will be out here for the World Club Challenge. They'll fly to Australia uh, very shortly. So under the rules uh, of the competition, teams will get 12 points for a win and six for a draw. However, teams can earn up to three bonus points if they score five or more tries, make four or more line breaks, or ten or more offloads. The overall winner will be the team with the most points. In the event of a draw, the NRL has outlined a series of tiebreakers to determine who takes home the $100,000 winner's checks. For and against will be used to separate teams. And if they're still equal, it will then be decided who is the greater percentage of points scored. Most tries scored, most goals kicked, most field goals kicked, and then least number of penalties conceded. If they still can't be separated, it will come down to heads or tails. So it goes over the weekends of Feb 9-12 to 12 and 17-19. to 19, All 17 NRL clubs plus the Super League champions St. Helens. 80-minute games. Uh, no extra time or golden point. As many as 28 plans for week one matches and 26 for week two matches. Unlimited interchanges. At uh, The World Club Challenge will have 17 man squads uh, with an 18th player for concussion protocols and 10 interchanges. And as I said, competition points, 12 for a win, 6 for a draw, none for a loss, but then all these bonus points. A bonus point is available for scoring five or more tries, making five or more line breaks, making 10 or more offloads. Pre-season challenge, are you invested in it? Um, it was good last year that all the matches were on Fox. Um, but now we're getting not just all the matches on Fox, which is great, but a bit more to it. Chance for your team to take home $100,000 uh, with all these bonus points. Are you invested in this pre-season challenge? Are you going to be watching it? And do you like the sound of those rules to try and make it a bit more interesting? 0457 we can call the open line 1300 11170 So that's just a bit of what is on our agenda on this Thursday morning. The saddest retirements of all time. Um, what side are you on with the NRL and the RLPA and the transfer window? Do you like the way it is now or do we need to change it? Would you be happy to have it after June 30? And the preseason challenge in the NRL. Are you excited by it? Are you looking forward to it? And what I just told you there, are you happy about all these bonus points as well? Well, you're not really bothered by it and you're just waiting for the start of the season. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 70 Call anytime. It's 19 past five in New South Wales, 19 past four in Queensland. Breaking back. It's 23 and a half past five in New South Wales, 23 and a half past four in Queensland. Let us do a big bash update. This is for the Isuzu D Max. Live your own way in the seven seat IC's Isuzu MUX. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Uh, And last night, the Scorch is quite easily getting up over the Hopart Hurricanes. A 1-by-7 wickets with 15 balls to spare. So the Hurricanes off their 20-overs made nine for 146, uh, and the Scorchers managed to get it in 17.3 overs, uh, as I said, with 15 balls left and only losing three wickets. So well done to them. The Big Bash continues tonight at 7.15 p.m. That's the Sydney Thunder up against the Melbourne Renegades. Getting into the pointy end of the Big Bash season as well, aren't we? Going to have a chat with... uh, Menace, Andrew Menzel uh, shortly in about uh, 10 minutes, just about everything cricket. Um, and uh, as I said, next week, we'll probably get him in studio as well because we're not far away from uh, the tail, the business end, the tail end of the Big Bash season. That's for Isuzu. Visit your uh, Izuzu dealer today. Uh, 0457 736, 736. Or one 1170 Asking you saddest retirements of all time on the back of what we saw yesterday uh, with Rafa. Not that he's one hundred percent going to retire, but it is a bit uh, worrying. Uh, the RLPA and the NRL situation. If you heard Wade Graham on uh, Breakfast yesterday with Julian King and Michael Karianis, what did you make of what he had to say? And uh, you are you? Confused as ever, uh, the trade window seems to be in the news today. Looking like they want to, uh, well, the NRL want to propose to move it from uh, the current situation to make it after June thirty. You can negotiate with other teams and sign with other teams for the next year. What do you make of that? Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. In the preseason challenge, I just ran through a lot of these rules uh, that are going to be happening with bonus points, tries scored, um, all these sort of things a hundred thousand dollars up for grabs are you going to be invested are you going to watch the preseason challenge look I think I will watch it um I have to say though it's hard to really get excited by all intents and purposes trial matches although they're good to watch um, I think once we get to it, It'll be good to watch. But, yeah, I think everyone's just looking forward to the season uh, proper. On the text, 0457 736 736 or 1300 111 70 hour open line. This is from Dan. Uh, He says, good morning, Dan. Uh, Should the RLPA hire Cam Smith or a Darren Lockyer Thurston type to be the leader of the RLPA? A person with a bigger name and media access might make the NRL stand up and take notice. Interesting text, Dan. Uh, look, it is the Players Association. Um, it's run by Clint Newton. Uh, look, I, I think Wade Graham speaks quite well. We had Christian Welsh on breakfast the other week as well. Last week, he speaks quite well as well. Um, I understand what you're saying in regards to a Cam Smith or a Darren Lockheed, Definitely Uh, Cam Smith, uh, very eloquent. You hear him here on STN every week during the footy season. But I don't think the issue is, uh, from my point of view, um, the way they speak. Um, I think it is what he brought to the table in that interview yesterday uh, on The Breakfast Show. He just didn't make things clear. And it's not just him. Um, No one quite understands, unless you really delve deep into the situation, what the players are really complaining about. And... Most of people, not everyone, but most people are on the side of, well, they get paid a lot of money. Now, it has to be said that not every NRL player gets paid $800, $900,000, $1 million a year. But there is the element um, that a lot of these players will play 100, 200, 300 games and be in a lot more money than most people, probably everyone uh, me included. Um, and they just wonder what... They're complaining about Michael Kariannis came uh, on the show yesterday on breakfast and said they also want match fee payments of $2,000. Well, uh, for me, especially for those players that are on very good money, isn't that what you pay to do anyway? Isn't that what your salary is for, to play rugby league, not have a match fee payment? Yeah, It's a bit of a weird one. Um, but, yes, I think Cam Smith would do uh, a very good job for the RLPA. I just don't know uh, if he would... Uh, really be interested in doing it. Uh, also, uh, he says, Ben Eichen, M- uh Michael Morgan, and Jur- uh, yel all played state and country, but careers ended way too early due to injury. Uh, yeah, uh, didn't Ben Iken retire when he was about 26, I think? Michael Morgan, uh, he was a fantastic player for the Cowboys, wasn't he? Uh, I remember that run they had back in 2017 to make the grand final. They eventually lost to the Melbourne Storm. But... It, well, that year when it, when Jonathan Thurston went out went down with injury, I think it was midway through the year. Everyone, basically everyone, wrote the Cowboys off, and then they had that fantastic final series, made it to the grand final. I don't think anyone was going to beat Melbourne that year. Um, but he was so good for them that year. Had been good in previous years, of course. Big in their premiership winning year as well, back in two thousand. And 15, uh, yeah, it was sad to see him retire. Thank you for that text. Uh, 0457 736 736 or 01 1170. Just one more f- before a break as well. This from Yoval Treeman. He says, hi, Dan. The new look NRL preseason should attract a lot more interest than past years. Now, all the tiebreaker rules are required if you want a single winner of a competition that only goes for two weeks. Not sure how much attention will be given to the tiebreaker factors by the teams, as the coaches we're more interested in trailing combinations etc the world club challenge um world club T- challenge and charity shield also adds to the interest especially in week 2 that from the oval treatment well i agree uh, you're 100% right i think it will add more interest into it um and i understand what they what they're doing for many years the afl had a proper pre seated tournament they got a, a, a rid of that probably about five or six years ago now, but that did seem to spark a lot of interest. And the fact that it's all going to be on TV, I know they were last year, but the fact there's a point to it, I think definitely adds something to the competition. And you're right about week two. Uh, The Charity Shield, the World Club Challenge, they're good matches and they're important matches in their own right. So to have them as a part of the pre-season challenge is fantastic. And it's good to see St. Allen's out here as well. I think they're going to play the Dragons in the first week of the... Uh, pre-season challenge so definitely will Um, and I suppose if you're going to try I mean they're not trialing rules but if you're going to want to make it a bit more interesting especially in the first week probably as well when teams probably won't play their top squad they'll probably play uh, more a reserve grey New South Wales Queensland cup type squad so it will make it more interesting but I think definitely in that second week you'll see the top tier of teams play uh, mostly at least for a half or so I um, mean a hundred thousand dollars is not bad. In fact I'm pretty sure I could be corrected, I'm pretty sure isn't that what you get for winning the minor premiership? Uh oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 So keep those texts coming in. The preseason challenge, I might, if I could, another opportunity, go through some of those uh, rules they have got. You're interested in it. Uh, are you with Yoval Treeman? Do you believe it'll be a bit more interesting this year? Uh, saddest retirements of all time on the back of what we saw with Rafa yesterday. Now, he's not announced his retirement, but question marks are there whether he'll be back to play another Australian Open. And the NRL versus the RLPA, what side are you on? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. Break more of your texts and we'll speak cricket with Andrew Menzel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Andrew Mensel from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast in just a second. Stack of text there. I'll we'll get to most of them after we talk to menace. But just this one from Junior Smithy on 0457 736 736. Says, morning, Dan. On the NRL versus RLPA, I'm not on any side. Both have good and bad points that make you want them uh, to just move on and the whole shut up and move on. And the whole transfer system and salary cap needs an overhaul. But it won't happen. And I like what the NRL has done with the preseason. It adds more excitement. Yeah, I agree. Um, My saddest retirement was Mark Viduka. He just walked away without announcing anything. Anything, and we couldn't say thank you for what he had done for Australian football. That from Junior Smithy. Yeah, he was fantastic uh, for Australian football. Played, of course, famously for Leeds in the English Premier League as well. And everyone will remember that 2006 World Cup. Thank you for that. Keep them coming in. I'll get to the other text shortly. Uh, anything uh, on any sports status retirements, um, and also uh, NRL versus RLPA. Are you on? At the NRL side, are you on the RLPA side? Do you really understand what's going on, and also the pre-season tournament as well? Added interest in it with these new rules that have been announced overnight. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one eleven seventy. But let's turn our attention into cricket now from the cricket unfiltered podcast. Andrew Mensel is on the line. Mens, good morning to you. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Yeah, very, very well. Still a lot happening in a cricket. Uh, let us start with Steve Smith. Now, I actually saw this article uh, this morning. Um, is there a potential for Steve Smith to open the batting for Australia in T20 cricket? Because it sounds like he'd like to.
0: Yeah, I think this has been a, a masterstroke by the Sydney Sixers to get Smith to open the batting when he's come back to play for them. I think if, yes, yeah, so there's a real chance now with Aaron Finch, you would think um, set to retire from international cricket imminently that um, Steve Smith's opportunity to get back into the T20 side and listeners might remember he didn't play a lot during the, the recent T20 World Cup. Perhaps he could get in there and open the batting with mm. David Warner and play a similar role to Aaron Finch. Uh, so I, I think it's a it's a great move because I think his game is suited to um, opening the batting when the field's up. He can hit over the top. He doesn't have to clear the boundary as much as he might need to in the middle overs. And it would be a great way of getting him back into our T20 side and potentially his captain.
1: Yeah, so you you would be for this move to have him opening for Australia?
0: Look, I, I don't want to toot my own trumpet, but I am on the radio, so I may as well, uh, Dan. I've been saying this for years, mm. years. I mean, I started saying this probably about 2018, 2019, that he should be up the top of the order in, in actually both uh, white ball formats. Um, but Finch was always blocking him. Um, So now that Finch is gone, that spot's opened up. Virat Kohli used to open the batting for India in 50 over cricket. So I don't see why Smith couldn't do the same.
1: You know, it's interesting as well. You just mentioned about him potentially captaining Australia in that T20 uh, format of the game. It's funny the divide between Steve, the public divide between Steve Smith and Dave Warner. Everyone seems to be, not everyone, but most people seem to be okay with Steve Smith being into a leadership role, potentially captaining again uh, at one point in one uh, form of the game or another. But most people just don't want Dave Warner to be uh, involved in that war. Uh, he might not be the least popular Australian uh, captain at the moment, <laughs> former captain at the moment, but it just it just seems Steve Smith has the public on his side more than Dave Warner.
0: Yeah, I think that's spot on, Dan. What what you see is there's a real um polarising opinions about David Warner whenever he's mentioned as maybe getting back into leadership. It's a pretty even split. But I think with Steve Smith there's a lot more, I guess, understanding from the Australian public that he made a mistake. And and, and I guess it plays into their track record around Sandpaper Gate. Like David Warner already had a bit of a reputation as a bit of a rabble rouser. Whereas Steve Smith's never had that. It's just I think universally accepted he made a terrible mistake in Cape Town so, yeah, you're right. There's a lot more sympathy. And also, Smith's so good with the bats. Hard not to like him. I mean, those people that were at Coffs Harbour two nights ago to see his you know, 101 or 56 balls, the mm. you know, kids there that night will never forget that. Smith coming to their town and putting a show like that. I mean, that's a win for cricket.
1: Now, uh, Fox Sports, of course, Fox Cricket, have been having a pretty good time of it recently. Of course, we've just had the Test matches, but uh, they've been running these uh, documentaries uh, with Alan Border. uh, almost 800,000 in the first few days. Tell us a bit more about that.
0: Yes, well, I mean, I I think there's a lot of question marks um, just generally around Mm. cricket this summer, um, viewing ratings around the Big Bash. Even the Test summer was under a lot of scrutiny, the ratings. And there's just been an overall upswing um, so you mentioned that the Alan Border documentary was the highest-rated documentary ever for Foxtel, um, a testament to you know how revered Alan Border is by so many Australians. Uh, but then you know the Big Bash um, viewing figures are up twenty percent, the crowds mm. have increased to an average of about fifteen thousand per game. So we're just seeing generally some really positive figures for cricket, and uh, you know it all goes well for the next couple of seasons.
1: Yeah, and it was interesting, um, and the, look, the Australian Open does usually build into uh, things, so it's hard to take uh, one day, uh, but uh, at least on the first night, uh, the Big Bash did outrate um, the Australian Open, maybe not so much on the second night, but it's we, we talked about it last uh, week about how it is a tricky period for the Big Bash to keep that momentum, what I think has helped that um, because we know that the tennis is very popular. I, I love watching the tennis. I enjoy watching the Big Bash as well. But I think what has helped that is the inclusion at this time of the year, at the business end of the season, up against the tennis of these Australian players.
0: Yes, most certainly. They've come back at the right time. And actually, I think you can see that the actual local players have a bigger effect on the competition than getting in some of these overseas stars. So, mm. I mean, I think that's a real positive thing because – they're going to try and get Australian players more into the competition. There's the challenges, but are you, and I, and I think they've got a bit lucky. The Australian Open, you know, Ash Barty obviously retired. Nick Kyrgios pulling out mm. just before the tournament. Um, there's you know a few big names that we're used to seeing that aren't here, so that's a bit of a you know, a, a win for cricket. I did notice SCN have pulled the yeah. big bash commentary during the Oz Open. It's not about what I said last week when I was with you, is it, Dan?
1: Uh, no, nothing to do with you. Nothing uh, to do with you. Don't yeah. worry. All the big I'm bash matches, nervous. all the finals will be heard right here on SCN. Thank you, Menace. Uh, now, uh, Meg Lanning, back for Australia, oh, and good. performed very, very well the other day.
0: Oh, Uh, So Australia expectedly of dominating Pakistan in these 50-over games, but Mm. Meg Lanning's return to cricket is is such a beautiful story, obviously a champion. She's been in the professional circuit for over 10 years, and she needed a break. So she went to San Francisco to work in a cafe, and she obviously had to go somewhere like San Francisco where they don't know cricket. Otherwise, I mean, everywhere she'd... That's, you know, how popular this Australian women's team is. You know, anywhere where they play cricket, she would be recognised. So, you know, you can imagine in San Francisco, there's not too many cricket fans there. Um, she could sort of um, be anonymous, making coffees, delivering coffees, she said. And I, I think it's a great story that she did that and she's come back to the game. She scored some runs mm. in the first, the first ODI. and I think she should be a real inspiration to Australians that, you know, it's never too late if you need to make a change to have a go.
1: Yeah, and, it's, you know, it was a great decision for her. She obviously, as you said, needed the break, uh, five, six months off and uh, back being a star. And just back on the the whole Big Bash uh, situation alongside the Australian Open. It's just great that – because it, it's weird, isn't it, Menace? Because there's periods during the summer. Obviously, we have a lot of Test cricket, a lot of Big Bash, but we do have these quiet moments when, uh, like, the sort of the month – after the rugby league season, ending into the cricket season. And then uh, we sort of have, to have this sort of month once the tennis and the big bash is done, albeit Australia will be in India and we've got some pre-season trial matches. But we really should be soaking up these couple of weeks of sport because there's just heap of it, whether you want to watch the cricket, the tennis, a mix of both. It's just great to have a lot of sport on the TV at the moment.
0: Yeah. The Sheffield Shield in February certainly doesn't drive the <laughs> narrative <Like>, um, <laughs> that you get at the end of January with the Oz Open and the Big Bash. No, you're right, and but I'm really excited about that Indian tour. We've mm. got four test matches in February, and, um, which are just going to be fantastic and sort of leading it perfectly to the footy seasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Big Bash is, I think, finishing the first week of Feb this mm. year. Whereas I think next season, or pretty soon, it's going to finish around Australia Day. Mm. So that'll mean February is kind of, you know, that's when people start talking about MRL preseason in a big mm. way.
1: Yep, indeed. Uh, now, I want to talk to you more about Sheffield Shield as well, but we'll do that uh, next Very week nice. when you come into the studio. Now, uh, what was on the latest podcast? Did I see on Twitter you managed to track down Jalissa and actually managed to get her on the podcast?
0: That's right. So it's amazing. Um, I got Jalissa at... Amazing. I got it in studio because uh, you're really lucky that she comes mm. into studio with you because she's pretty technically inept. I, I when can she imagine gets that. Out of a st- mm. Yeah, she mm. you know, doesn't have a laptop, doesn't have a microphone, doesn't have internet. Mm. So it's really hard to record remotely with her. Mm. Um, so yeah, great to see her. We covered all the big topics. We talked about the decision to boycott the Afghanistan series. Uh, we previewed the Indian tour. Just generally caught up.
1: I'm surprised she can uh, work a microphone in here if the, she's that technically inept, but she does a very good job when she comes up. She should buy a laptop or a microphone or something, you know, and then she could do remote broadcast minutes.
0: I've really tried. I've really, really tried, but I, I don't know, like... She grew up in Burra, and I don't think she's, you know, that much into technology. And, mm. and maybe when she goes home, it's just sort of, I don't know, she just doesn't have the internet. It's
1: crazy. She'll be in here next week, so her, uh, you can uh, talk to her about all of that then. Thank you, mate. Uh, we'll probably get you in next week ahead of uh, the Big Bash uh, wrapping up, um, and also a lot more, I'm sure, heading into that Indian tour and any other issue in cricket. Thanks, mate. Chat soon. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Uh, Andrew menzel Mendes from the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast with Jalissa Rapps, who will be on breakfast next week with Jimmy Smith and also uh, Paul Dennett, part of the Cricket Unfiltered Podcast as well. All right, stack of text there. Let's get to them. 0457-736-736. This one, firstly, uh, going to ask about the elephant in the room. Is the problem Clint Newton? Maybe if the RLP RLPA, RLPA, easy for me to say, had a new leader... Uh, life would be easier for all. Just a suggestion. Um, it's, uh, yeah, well, look, Clinton Newton has copped a lot, but Wade Graham did stand up for Clint Newton in the interview um, last, yesterday on breakfast with Julian and Michael, and actually said the players wanted to go a lot further, and it's Clint that is stopping them doing that. So, Yeah, I think we could maybe be actually thankful uh, for Clint Newton. This one from Muzza. Good day, Dan. Muzza here. I don't know enough about what the players want, uh, even though I listened to the interview with Wade Graham. Uh, Well, no, exactly. Uh, He didn't really point much out apart from the trade window. He says regarding trade windows and when a player can sign with another club, etc. it doesn't worry me and nor should fans overly worry about this. We are talking about the players' livelihood here. If they need to move states or cities, they need to organise and plan. They may have to find uh, schools for kids, etc. I feel for players in this situation. Yeah, mother I think at, at, when it first started, these trade windows—well, um, we, not a trade window—but when we had players signing 18 months in advance, it bothered people. I, I think now people were just used to it. And look, when players sign for another club, but play for the club they're at the year. Uh, for a year even though they know they're leaving they still put in they they still play very well you know and, and it probably helps in a way that their future is sorted and they're not running around a football field worrying about the future so look i don't mind the way it is uh, either uh, at all uh, one more before a break uh, this one from the kingswood World. good morning uh, nutshell down thank you hands down the saddest retirement of the recent past boyd corner Great bloke and player forced out from medical issues. Uh, Thank God it's Thursday. Downhill to the weekend. Yes, only a couple more days to the weekend. Yeah, good text about Boyd Cordner as well. Fantastic player uh, for the Roosters, for New South Wales, for Australia, of course, won uh, competitions for the Roosters. And, yeah, just the saddest retirement. I remember when he made that announcement, he was retiring. Very, very sad. More text there. I'll get to them after the break. 0457 736 736. Or you can call the open line. 1300 01 1170. Yeah, almost time to wrap things up, finishing with a couple of texts. Uh, Talking about Mark Viduka earlier, Dan texted in about greatest or saddest retirements of all time. Uh, Jason says on the text, Dan, please remember the great Mark Viduka also played for the mighty Middlesbrough FC, my club. Uh, he says "Middleborough fans loved him look up the Mark Viduka song Mark Viduka retired with great class and no fuss something that a lot of sportsmen should follow thank you Jason I will definitely look up uh, that song straight after the show and Siv says summing it up for probably most of us good mate regarding the NRL players dispute I wish these guys would get in a room and sort it all out it all seems a bit shouty and ridiculous to me thank you Siv yes I think everyone's hoping it's all sorted out before the start of the NRL season breakfast with Julian King, Michael Karianas coming up amongst their guests today will be Sydney Kings player Angus Glover, cycling commentator legend Phil Liggett on the show as well, and Brett Phillips will wrap up all the tennis action as well. Thank you for your company today. Tomorrow on Trade is Charlie Goodsir Good Sir will wrap up the week in sport, John Gallo with EPL, and Chris Perkins in America. Have a wonderful Thursday. Breakfast follows the news, and I'll see you tomorrow morning for the final one of the week, 5 a.m.